Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Centre Stage, Blademore's podcast series where we look at the issues which are relevant to our times and to our clients. These can range from investor relations to uh, internal communications and of course the most talked about topic of recent months all around ESG. I'm joined today by Caroline Morris. She's an expert in the areas of ESG and has a watchful eye on how regulators and governments are looking at the debate and what needs to be done and the likely changes that are coming which companies are going to have to adhere to and change their behaviours. Hi, Caroline. Afternoon, Sandra. Nice to see you again. Thank you for coming back and joining us again. So let's start with just a couple of minutes on COP26. It's been reported everywhere. There's been a massive debate. Um, Big question, uh, turning point or disappoint? Um, What is the general consensus that's come out of it? Well, I think I'll answer this question by using some quotes from Boris Johnson Um, He said that COP26 needed to be a turning point for humanity. He said that um, a successful outcome was one which kept alive hopes of limiting warming to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels and did so by delivering on coal, cars, cash and trees. He did admit, though, that COP26 had not delivered the full solution, but had achieved just as much as we could have hoped. And John Kerry, the President Biden's climate envoy, described the conference as the world's last best chance to avert climate catastrophe. But so I think fairly uh, agreed consensus that it was more towards the disappointment. But I think from the world in which we move and the clients that we speak to, what has been absolutely clear is that it's a driver for change companies' boards are going to have to get their shareholders to think differently. Are we going to have to move from the you know, the classic CEO line at a six-monthly results presentation of we create value for our shareholders in, in the short, medium and long term to this is about creating a sustainable business in its broadest sense in the medium and long term and having to think about what that move towards zero carbon over a much longer period than what are the results going to look like in the next six months. Companies need to think about what does sustainable mean and a definition of that by the UN World Commission on Environment and Development was sustainable development is development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs and that should be in the minds of the board when it makes its decisions that it's not just about today it is very much about tomorrow so they need to move away from the from short termism from a focus on today's shareholders um, who tend to keep their interest in the company for a few months which is myopic and it needs to be replaced by a longer term approach companies need to be looking at purpose at the centre of their strategies. And this will need some out-of-the-box thinking. But this is a, a what we're talking about is companies educating analysts to think differently or investors looking to analysts for different types of, of reporting and advice. I mean, one of the things that really struck me was Rio Tinto, the big mining company, 
announced a $7.5 billion spend over nine years on its journey to, to a reduced carbon business. And one of the quotes uh, from Jefferies, from a Jefferies analyst in the FT, was going green will be expensive, complex, and earnings dilutive. Um, so they're looking at it as a cost, not as an investment in the long-term sustainability of the business. Is that a bit of an outdated view? I think it's very outdated. The fact is that companies that invest currently heavily in carbon-heavy industries and have carbon-heavy utilities on their balance sheet are going to have to have stranded assets fairly soon by removing those um, assets from their balance sheet, even though they not, may not be at the end of their useful life, and transitioning into new greener technologies. There has to be um, investment in, in the future. And I do think that decision makers... Um, your asset owners will be thinking, actually, I'm expecting to see a write down of these kind of assets. And if I don't see that write down, why not? It would be a question that I'd be asking at an AGM or other investor meeting, because technology needs to move to a different platform. It cannot stay the same if that company is to survive and help to do their bit towards um, you know, move it to 1.5. One of the things, the quotes that came out of COP26 that I loved actually um, was there was this whole debate about how big business, big finance should listen to the wisdom of indigenous peoples and, and centuries old learnings and behaviours that, that care for the environments in which they live and work and play and operate. Um, and there, there was this lovely quote, what is the point of profits when there is no more life? And, and as dramatic as that sounds, it kind of brings, um, brings it all to a head, doesn't it? That all the profitability in the short term in the world, if, if you continue to damage um, the environment in which we operate, it's not sustainable in, in its broadest sense of the word. Um, so it sounds like there is going to be a need for a closer link between governance, how boards behave, how they think, how they govern their businesses, and sustainability. Um, and one of the things that I know you talk to people about a lot is how companies produce data around what they're doing and the importance of that data for people like governments introducing taxes. So, so how is that going to change? Remember last time we had lots of acronyms? Oh, yeah, oh, I remember yeah. the acronyms. <laughs> well, we've got the TCFD, the the Task Force for Climate-Related um, Financial Disclosure uh, for premium-listed companies and listed companies coming in 2022. We've got uh, the UK producing its own taxonomy and labels. Um, so there is going to be a lot of information which uh, your listed companies are going to have to provide. However, you know, it's lies, damn lies and statistics. So there at the moment isn't a single standard of um, data and that those data and metrics will be used by many different people. They'll be used by rating agencies, they'll be used for by investors to make decisions, they'll be used by your risk management uh, personnel. So in order to try and put together the most effective form of disclosures. Um, there are 
a number of principles for effective disclosure, which I might mention, um, which I think are just helpful um, to bear in mind when putting together um, your your narrative. Um, so those principles being, you know, obviously your 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 data needs to represent relevant information. It needs to be specific and complete. It needs to be clear, balanced, and understandable, consistent over time, reliable, verifiable, and objective. And that verifiable piece, I think, is actually quite important because from a regulatory standpoint, you are not always required to use a third party to verify your data. If you do, it obviously means that your your data could probably stand up better than, or stand up to scrutiny better than if it's just your own data that has not been verified by an outside third party third party, and data uh, disclosure should be uh, provided on a timely basis. And a company's description of how climate-related issues have affected its business strategy is the most useful piece of information from a a financial decision-making point of view at the moment. Sounds like CFOs are going to have their work cut out and are probably going to need a little bit of a different skill set supporting them. Well, I think someone once said, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And I think that climate risk is is now integrated, or if it's not, it should be integrated into the risk management structure of a firm. And so I think you talked earlier about upskilling and education. And I think throughout firms, there needs to be an exercise in learning how to manage these different risks um, well. I think that each division within a firm has different elements of ESG to consider. And we're only talking about the environmental element at the moment, but we shouldn't be forgetting about the ESPIT, the the societal element of ESG um, either, because I think that's increasingly important and a focus uh, for shareholder value. How much are we going to see sort of even the makeup of boards change to reflect this? Recently, Um, I don't know, say over the last two, three years, when one's looking at board composition, you'd be looking to make sure that there was someone in post on with the technology um, portfolio, that that mandate. You'd be looking at the governance mandate. You'd be looking at the digital mandate. But I think now we should be looking for people, the board should have an ESG representative to challenge the firm on its strategy for ESG-type matters. So we're looking at a new committee, potentially. Larger companies are beginning to introduce their sustainability officer or chief sustainability officer who may either report to the board or indeed be on the board itself. Remuneration targets are beginning, and I wouldn't be surprised if this then carries on, to have an ESG element to it. Um, so you could end up have your ESG person on your remuneration committee. And yes, you could very well have your sustainability um, committee. I think it actually be quite a, a good idea because it's not, you know, it's all very well for the board to make great statements. But actually, those statements need to be carried out through every element of the firm. And individuals, your employees are very, very focused on this area. The FCA did a survey last year 
And two-thirds of the participants reported that they worry about the state of the world and feel personally responsible for making a difference. So that's your employees. A third, two-thirds of them feel responsible for making a difference. And 80% of respondents consider environmental issues important and businesses have a wider responsibility than just simply making a profit. So that's, if you just look at it, these are people, you know, like, like you and me, they are thinking about this very seriously. So you're asset managers who are making investment decisions, yes, they're wearing the asset management hat, but they are, after all, people. And they have this thinking. And this thinking is going to impact their investment decisions. So governance is going to need to change to the way we communicate, educate, share data with shareholders. We need to go encourage them to take a longer term view than a short term view, because there, everybody acknowledges that there is going to be an upfront spend in achieving this. But does there also have to be a shift in in the way large businesses think about how they cope, manage, select, support their smaller suppliers that don't quite have the resources that they do, but are part of the, the total supply chain required to deliver their own product? I think about 80% of a company's emissions come from scope three, i.e. those that they are outside the firm's direct control. And I think that you've actually hit the nail on the head. The supply chain is absolutely critical in um, in this story. There needs to be like a partnership throughout the supply chain, good communication and collaboration, because increasingly a firm is going to need to report on its activity throughout the supply chain to provide the full data of the carbon story throughout its manufacturing and and distribution process. And those companies in the supply chain are going to be forced to look at their carbon footprint because they're going to have to report it up the chain and if they're not doing enough, they risk being replaced by others who are more focused on this. And I think that's a way in which we are going to achieve some of the or move towards the targets by the larger companies requiring the smaller companies in their supply chain. And actually, they may not be smaller companies. It's just the supply chain to focus on their carbon footprint too. There's been a huge amount of talk um, from politicians about what companies need to do um, and what targets they need to hit. And there seems to be a general willingness from the majority that that's what they are aiming for. That's what they're going for. One of the things that we get involved with a lot, obviously, through Blademore is, is how those companies then communicate what they're doing to their different stakeholder groups. And... How much do you think that is going to change, particularly the nature of communications with investors and the commentators on their business? So financial media brokers who are all commenting on these businesses and how much do they need to be educated in what companies are doing to change that side of the business as well as, if you like, the I hate to differentiate the two because the two things should be entwined, but is explaining how the day-to-day running of the business. We talked earlier about the principles of effective disclosure and your company's narrative 
and what it's doing and what it plans to do and what it is doing and what it's not doing and what it's endeavouring to do. All those pieces need to be included in whatever disclosure statement is being used because it's just not kind of honest just to say, oh, they were doing this because there's an awful lot that companies are not doing and know that they want to do. So give the whole story, not just part of the story. So is it more now that, that in the past, companies tend to, to report on what they've done and what they're doing in the short term? Now it's giving the big picture and saying where you are on the journey. Yes, I think, but there needs to be a strategy of where they need to get to and then reporting on an iterative basis as to the progress that, it's, that is being made. Because this is not something that's going to be done in the short term, obviously. This is a multi-year transition for many companies. And you need to deliver a message which can be believed. You know, the market participants, stakeholders, shareholders, and must be able to trust the disclosures that are being made. Yeah. And I think it's clear that where some companies have issued these big numbers of what they're going to spend, it's very clear, you've seen it a few times, there's a much better reaction where they break down how that spend is going to happen, what where it's going to go, and being honest about what they can achieve and what they need a new technology to achieve that isn't quite there yet. And there, w- and there will be balance sheet write-offs. There will be stranded assets. That's to be expected in transitioning to a newer technology. And if a company is silent on those, particularly in, say, the automotive industry, my first question was, well, why? It, it, you know, what are they doing? Yes, it, 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 we need to get companies past the assuming people know that things are going on because they've set a big target of all the things that they're going to spend in on the route to re- net zero. We need to know how it's being. Yeah, and you know, you're probably familiar, I'm sure you're familiar with the term greenwashing, where statements are made which are not quite true. But there's also, I'd say, like competence washing. So where companies promote genuine capability through functional training, i.e. we were talking about upskilling. So you need to make sure, companies to make sure that it has people who are sufficiently well-versed in the ESG story. And I think that's actually quite a big ask. So I think training in sustainability is actually going to be quite a big spend over the next few years. Well, the, the implications of getting this wrong, you, you get this wrong and, and you don't have a long-term business because you become an unacceptable employer you become uninvestable you become uh, an undesirable service partner all those things if you you don't get the perception around this right as well as what you're doing right but you won't get the employees to join your company either no so you'll find a brain drain but more importantly I think as you say explain that companies explain, they, they make it clear, they're not only doing, but they're explaining what they are doing. And if we go back to the you know, the regulatory point of view, then that is a requirement to have strategies that do explain this, that, that is, you know, there are disclosures required around um, strategy, governance, metrics. Um, these are the three of the four pillars of the TCFD. You remembered the acronym this time. Have you got the acronym in there? Well done. (laughs) Um, So I I think, look, if we bring all this together, this is a massive transition for absolutely everyone. There's not a single organisation it doesn't touch in some way, shape or form. 
any change, if it's going to be truly successful, has to be clearly understood by all the stakeholders involved. And, and a recognition that the purpose of a company is changing, if not has changed. Um, and those purposeful companies that recognise their role in transitioning will be the ones that succeed going forward. And those that maintain the 1970s view of what a company ought to do, i.e. is there to make a profit, full stop paragraph, are those the ones I think will be in trouble. Thank you, Caroline. Insightful as ever, um, with your your bag full of acronyms and, and abbreviations. I thought I was actually very restrained. It was today. quite restrained. I really was today. restrained. Um, but very informative, insightful, and clearly boards and how they communicate and and reporting, particularly amongst the financial community, is going to be something that will be changing as we move towards a for the short, medium and long term to the medium and long term. And I think watch this space from a regulatory point of view as there is a plethora of regulation coming into play uh, in 2022-23. We will be watching. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you.